Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Well, let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. Amen. Good to see you. Welcome to Life Church on this last Sunday of the year. I hope you've had an amazing Christmas week, and we are still enjoying this wonderful season. I want to say a very special thank you, first of all, before we jump into the Word this morning, to everybody who helped make Christmas with the homeless a great success. Uh, many of you donated uh, food items, clothing, toiletries, gift items. Some of you, some of you helped prepare uh, the items for yesterday. Others, you came downtown and served. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we feed the homeless downtown every year on Christmas Day, and it was a great, great time yesterday. It was nice weather too. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. So thank you, Life Church. Why don't you give everybody a big hand who was a part of that? I want to also tell you about a couple things that are coming up real soon. Our annual 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting campaign kicks off next Sunday. Can you believe next Sunday will be the first Sunday of January? January the 2nd, 21 days of prayer and fasting for our church family. I encourage you to take part in that uh, fully or partially. What a great way to start our new year. And, uh, and, and what a great way to just change, not only for yourself, but for the church body. Amen. Being a part of some corporate prayer and fasting. And then lastly, I want to mention two weeks from yesterday on January the 9th. Uh, I'm sorry, January the uh, 8th is our growth track, our first growth track of the year. If you're wondering about Life Church, if you're considering maybe taking that next step, I encourage you to take the growth track Saturday, January 8th, 9 o'clock. goes to around noonish, and uh, it's going to be a good day. we got some food. we got child care provided. So everybody who hasn't been a part, what a great way to start your year making that commitment to the body of Christ. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen, and it's going to be a great, great time. Now, before I jump in, I just want to take a non-scientific poll. How many of you are taking your tree down this week before New Year's Day? I'm just curious. Oh, wow, just a couple hands going up, just a couple. How many of you plan to take it down after New Year's and before the end of January? Okay, a few more hands. How many of you want to stretch this thing out with me until Valentine's Day? Come on, let me see. I got a couple more hands up there. All right, yeah. Let's do this thing, right? Amen. Now, get a good look at the Christmas decor here. We won't do that, but I can assure you I will be stretching out my Christmas decorations at home as long as my wife will allow me to. Amen. My goal every year is always to see if I can get the Christmas tree still up when the winter spring life groups begin, but... It usually doesn't work that way. All right, let's talk about a little bit about Christmas today. Of course, we know that yesterday was the last day of Christmas. Um, it was, the, was Christmas. Today's the day after Christmas. How many of you love Christmas music? Amen? How many of you? I, I do. I love Christmas music, and I'll tell you why. Not only is it festive and uplifting, it's the one time of year that secular stations, shopping centers, even restaurants... They're not only hearing Jingle Bells and Santa Baby, but they're hearing songs about the birth of Jesus, 
and him being the promised Messiah. I love how we can just kind of slip that message in, right? With jingle bells and all that good stuff. And one of my favorite Christmas songs is Joy to the World. And here's just part of the lyrics. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. Now that word joy is found everywhere during the month of December. It's on signs, it's in advertisements, it's in windows, it's on people's lawns. Uh, Right now in my mind, I can hear Mariah Carey's version playing in my head. (laughs) Joy. You'll see the word joy more in between Thanksgiving and Christmas than any other time in your life probably. And the good news is that Christianity is a joyful and a joy-filled faith. Are there any Christians in the house that would agree with that? Amen? In John chapter 15, Jesus was talking about how he was the true vine, and he talks about his love. And then he says this in John 15 and 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. See, joy really is a major theme of Christmas. It's why we say Merry Christmas. We say Happy Holidays. It's a party. It's a celebration. It's a birthday. It's a festival, amen? Now, what comes to mind when you think of the word joy? Or what brings joy to you in your life? See, we know that joy is an emotion. It's a feel-good emotion. But really, it's much, much more than that. Joy is far more than just an emotion. Joy is really different than happiness. See, because happiness depends on our happenings or what's happening to you. It depends on circumstances. It depends on events going on in your life. But joy really is a choice. You choose joy. Happiness is external. It's external circumstances. You have happiness when you're in those circumstances. But then if the circumstances change or if it leaves, happiness tends to follow right along with it. But joy is an internal character. It's what happens on the inside of us. You can be joyful even in the midst of grief, even in the middle of a depressing or a difficult situation. But happiness really depends on where you are at the moment. Has anybody here been to Disneyland? Anybody know what the caption is? The happiest place on earth, right? (laughs) Now, we went there a few years ago on vacation. We had a good time. But when you walk out of there, tired, hangry, hungry, (laughs) maybe thinking about how much money you just spent, (laughs) the kids are crying, your legs are cramped, the parking lot is all jammed up, It doesn't really feel like the happiest place on earth in that moment, does it? You know why? Because happiness depends on our circumstances. But see, joy is on the inside. It's internal. It's not external. Happiness is temporary. It's good while you've got it, but it doesn't last. But joy is long-term. Kay Warren wrote a book called Choose Joy. And in that book, she gave this definition of joy. She said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. I love that that definition. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control 
of every detail of my life. I don't know about you, but that gives me joy. See, it's that quiet, underlying confidence that ultimately everything's going to be all right. It may not be all right right now. It might be very painful. It might be very confusing right now. But when God's in control, he's going to work it out. Ultimately, everything's going to be all right. Amen. See, joy is the determined choice to praise God, to honor God, to thank God in all things. Don't miss that. It's a determined choice. That's a whole lot different than just feeling good, right? Joy is a choice. Joy is a commitment. God wants you to live a joy-filled life. Amen. Now, wouldn't it be great if we had joy all the time, right? But we all know that the world we live in will be a whole lot nicer place. There'd be no judgmentalism, no self-righteous people putting everybody else down or trying to put everybody in their place. If everybody had joy, this would be a pretty neat place. But the truth is, we don't have joy all the time, not even as Christians. As a matter of fact, Christmas and the holidays, if, if we're just being honest, they're not only the most joyful time of year for some people, they're also the most difficult time of year for other people. See, we need to understand that when people lose a loved one or have a maybe a strained or a broken relationship or problems that they're dealing with, sometimes the holidays actually amplify those feelings. And I do think we need to be sensitive to that and aware of that. But see, why don't we as believers have joy all the time? Again, I'm not talking about being happy all the time. Because life happens. That's why we're not joyful all the time. And it kind of squeezes some of the joy out of us. There's obstacles that try to steal our joy. Barriers that prevent us from having joy. Enemies of joy, if you will. You're going to run up against those things all the time. There's some things that fight against you having joy. And hear me, folks, sometimes you have to fight for the joy that you have in your life. We live in a negative world, and sometimes you have to fight to be positive, amen? Matter of fact, the last few years, the last several years, it just seems like we are in a constant countercultural push, pushing against all the negativity, amen, all the stuff that's around us. We live in a world that is so full of fear, you have to be proactive about having faith. In a world that is so full of compromise, you have to be proactive about being committed. And likewise, there are things that will rob you of your joy if you allow it to. Now, this being Christmas, I want to use and take a moment and look at the Christmas story at some of the things that could have stolen their joy and the choices that they made to overcome it. See, one of the keys to restoring joy in your life is being able to recognize what is stealing it from your life. Please don't miss that. One of the ways for you to live in joy, you need to be able to recognize and identify the thieves or the enemies that are trying to steal joy from your life because it's not the same for all of us. In order to be healed, you need to first know what's making you sick, right? Now, last Sunday was our Christmas program, but today being the day after Christmas, I want to jump into the Christmas story and just kind of look at it from a little different angle today. I want to talk to you about choices that we can make that will help us keep our joy even in challenging circumstances. And that's my sermon today, Christmas choices. Christmas choices. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, if you have your Bible. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. 
And it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now look at verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Mary was confused. She was disturbed. In the King James Version, it said she was troubled. The NIV said it this way. She was greatly troubled at his words. So I want to talk to you about the first enemy of joy, and here it is, anxiety. Everybody say anxiety. Anxiety, when you get stressed out, when you're tense, when you're nervous. Thank you, Melissa. When you're scared, when you're afraid, when you're worried, when you're frightened. Aren't you glad none of those things ever happened to you in your life? (laughs) Amen. Anytime you get stressed out with worries and fears, it robs you of your joy. It's hard to be joyful and fearful at the same time. Can the church say amen to that? Because when anxiety comes in the front door, guess what? Joy just goes right out the back door. And when you look at the Christmas story, we've got this little picture in our minds of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. But can you imagine how much stress Mary was under at the time? I want you to think about this maybe from a different light. The first Christmas was very stressful. First of all, Mary was young. She was very young. Mary, when she gave birth to Jesus, was probably 13 or 14 years old. At the most, she was 15. She's barely a teenager. And because in those days, people got married when they were 12, because most of the people died at the age of, in their 30s and 40s. Not everybody lived to be 100, like some of those guys we read about in the Bible. Mary was not some mature woman in her 30s who's already learned a lot of lessons in life. Mary was not some young woman in her 20s. Mary was barely a teenager. Anybody who has teenage girls knows what the Greek phrase for teenage girl is. It's translated drama queen. Now, there's a, Hebrew, there's a Hebrew phrase. It's transliterated. It's a little bit longer. In the, in the Hebrew, it means, good grief, what's wrong with her now? <laughs> I can say that because we raised two teenage daughters, amen? And glory to God, they're both young adults now, and I thank you, Jesus. You think the terrible twos are terrible. Wait till you get to the trifling teens, amen? That's another subject, though. Um, what do you mean virgin birth? I mean, now there's an oxymoron for you. There's two words that don't go together. Now, how's this for anxiety? Explain that to your fiance. Try to get hashtag virgin birth trending on Instagram 2,000 years ago. Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Oh, really? Yep. Well, who's the father? God. Okie dokie. <laughs> now, Joseph knows he hadn't slept with her. So what's this about? She's single. She's in a little town. Folks, can you imagine the gossip? Have you, have you thought about this? She had to endure that for nine months. Then just days before she gives birth, she has to get on a donkey 
and make a two to three day trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey because they're going there for a census. Let me, here's another non-scientific poll. How many of you ladies would like to spend the last three days of your pregnancy riding on the back of a donkey? There's some anxiety and stress for you. I didn't think so, right? Then Mary gets to Bethlehem. There's no hotel, so they end up sleeping the night in a stable with a bunch of farm animals. By the way, didn't you love it last week when I can't remember which child it was? Debbie said, y'all wouldn't want to sleep in the stable with the animals, and I knew some kid was going to do it. They were like, yes, I would. I want to sleep with the animals. But that night, guys, this 13, 14, 15-year-old girl, Never had a relationship with a man, never had a baby, delivers her own baby in a stable without her mom, without her aunts, without her sisters, without a doctor, without a midwife, nothing. Talk about anxiety. Talk about fear. Have you, no wonder every time the angel shows up in the Christmas story, first thing he says is, don't be afraid. (laughs) Right? I mean, why? Because anxiety robs your joy. So how was it that Mary stayed so calm and didn't let anxiety steal her joy completely? I want you to look at the choices that she made way back before Jesus was born. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 29. I'm going to read some verses to you. Here it is, confused and disturbed. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, right? Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, because you have found favor with God. I don't know if I would have called it that. Gee, thanks, I'm 14 and you're settling me with a pregnancy and a virgin birth and I gotta, I gotta pull this off in the next. No, 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 you're favored with God. Here's what's gonna happen, verse 31. You're gonna conceive, give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. By the way, in case you don't know this, the son of Elizabeth was John the Baptist. The baby that was six months older than Jesus ends up being the forerunner of Jesus. Man, don't you just love this story? For the word of God will never fail, verse 37. And Mary responded, check this out. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. 14 years old. I'm just going to call her 14. She gets, can you imagine having this load dropped on you? She only has a little bit of time to process it. And you know what her response was? I'm the Lord's servant. Let everything you have said about me come true. She still has to tell Joseph. She still has to face the scandal and the gossip, all this uncertainty, and the choice she makes immediately 
is I'm the Lord's servant, let it come to pass. So here's Mary's choice, her Christmas choice, and it's one that each one of us should make. Are you ready? Here's the first one I want to share. In the face of anxiety, you got to choose to trust the Lord. In the face of anxiety, choose to trust the Lord. Not only did she choose to trust the Lord, she accepted his plan. Look at Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. She was much older than Mary. She's never had any children. She had a miraculous pregnancy too. I already told you he's going to become John the Baptist. The angel Gabriel tells Mary she's found favor with God and was chosen for a purpose. I need to remind somebody here today, you've been chosen by God for his purpose. Amen. God has a purpose for your life just like he had a purpose for Mary. But see, we miss out on the purpose of our lives unless you do what Mary did. You've got to accept God's plan. Amen. She trusted God and she accepted his plan. So much of our anxiety and turmoil in life is when we get out of harmony with the will of God in our life. Amen. Sometimes all the conflict you're feeling, guess what? It's God trying to lovingly nudge you back on the path. You feel that friction? That's you rubbing up against the Holy Spirit. He's trying to push you back into the plan, trying to get you where you need to be. What are you anxious about this Christmas? What's got you worried? What's got you nervous? What keeps you awake at night? What are you afraid of? Are you worried about your finances? Are you worried about your health? Are you worried about if you're going to get married? Are you worried about if your marriage is going to stay together? Maybe you're worried about next year, 2022. Whatever it is, hear me, I know what the solution is. Trust God and accept his plan. Take everything you're worrying about and put it into God's hands. God, this is bigger than me. I can't figure it all out, but I'm just going to trust you. Mary's response to anxiety was to trust God and accept his plan. Y'all want to dig in a little bit deeper? We're going to look at a couple more people here. Let's look at how the Christmas story affected Mary's fiancé, Joseph. Go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Here's another enemy of joy in your life. Are you ready? Hurt and disappointment. Hurt and disappointment. Talk about painful. Talk about being confused. Virgin birth, really, Mary? You couldn't come up with a better one than that? Sorry, Mary, we're done. And when you've been hurt, when you've been wounded, guess what? Joy feels a million miles away. When life throws you one confusing twist after another, you just want to walk away from it all. Amen? You can word of faith all you want. Amen? But you still feel the robbery of that joy in your life. Everybody in this room and everybody that's listening to me right now online, we have all been wounded. Amen? You've been wounded by the words of friends and family. Some of you have been wounded uh, physically or emotionally. Because folks, hear me, life ain't fair. This world is filled with what the Bible calls sin. And our rebellion against God causes us to hurt each other, 
sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. We all have hurts. Some of you have been offended very deeply. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been rejected. Some of you maybe have been mistreated. I don't know all the ways that you've experienced hurt and disappointment in your life, but I'm telling you, regardless of what it is, you've got to deal with your response to that. Resentment over hurt will keep the joy out of your life. Bitterness from disappointment keeps people from ever experiencing or living a life of overcoming joy. See, we've all seen this with people who got hurt when they were young, and then they carried it their entire life, and they were always mad, they were always bitter, they were angry. They never let it go. Have you stopped to consider how hurt Joseph was when he gets this news? That his wife-to-be, the woman he loves, the woman he hadn't slept with her, all of a sudden she says, hi, honey, I've got some great news, I'm pregnant. <laughs> how betrayed would you feel? Amen. You're, you're planning your wedding. You know that you haven't been together. Your wife-to-be is now saying, I'm with child. And by the way, that uh, the Bible says that Mary and Joseph were betrothed or betrothed to each other. Now, some of you, you may not know what that means. That's an old word. We don't use it much anymore. But it was way more than just being engaged the way we define engagement today. Today, if somebody's engaged and it doesn't work out, you just break off the engagement. You postpone the wedding. You break up the relationship. You do whatever it is that you need to do, right? But in those days, a betrothal was a legal contract. A betrothal was a legal thing. You entered into it one year in advance of your wedding day. During that time, you're not, you're not sleeping together. You're not actually married yet. But in all practical senses, you were. It was a legal contract. You were bound together. In fact, if you broke that contract, the only way you could get out of a betrothal was to actually do a divorce. It was considered like you were already married, but you weren't married. No wonder we don't use that word anymore, amen? Now, see, I don't know all the ways that they were dealing with and what they were dealing with, but you know, Jewish law, thank you, sir, Jewish law said if either party was unfaithful during the betrothal period, guess what? The consequences were serious. And Joseph, when he heard that his wife was pregnant, he was crushed. But guess what? He chose not to retaliate. He chose not to humiliate her. He chose not to get bitter. The Bible says he was just going to put her away privately. He was going to show her something. And it's a Christmas choice that we can make. When hurt and disappointed, here it is, I choose to extend grace. And folks, this is a hard one for some of us, right? And we spent, we spent some time talking about this in October. But Joseph chose to extend grace. He chose to let the pain and the hurt and the confusion go. Now think about this. Have you ever thought about this? God could have saved Joseph all this pain if he would have just told Joseph and Mary at the same time. You ever thought about that? Why didn't he just wait till they're together and then let Gabriel make his grand announcement while they're both sitting there? Man, that would have solved a lot of problems, wouldn't it, right? But no, he didn't do that. He just told Mary. Why did God allow Joseph to be hurt? You know what I believe? I believe he was testing his character. Is he going to be compassionate? Is he going to be forgiving? Is he going to be loving? Will he be a good and a godly man? Does he have what it takes to be the stepfather to the son of God? Hallelujah. Does he have what it takes to raise the Messiah? 
And after hearing Mary's story, you know what? He didn't rub it in. He's not going to publicly embarrass her. He just says, you know what? We're going to call off this wedding. I want to ask you today, what hurt or confusion is trying to steal your joy today? Are you hanging on to it? See, I preached back in October about how to forgive, how to let go of offenses, how to love your enemy. How's that working out for you? Amen? See, because if you can't let go of the hurt, you're never going to walk in overcoming joy. Amen? You can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. Amen? That's why you've lost your joy, because you can't have both. Unforgiven hurt does nothing except make you miserable. Resentment never changes the past. Bitterness does not make you feel better. It only makes you feel worse. You never let it go. But Joseph let it go. He showed grace and he let the pain go. Now, fortunately with Joseph, thank God, that was not the end of the story, right? God didn't keep him in the dark forever. Look at Matthew 1 and 20. And he considered this, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. There it is again. To take Mary as your wife, because the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Boy, isn't it nice when God does spell the plan out, right? But check it out when he sent that angel after Joseph had already decided to just divorce her quietly, after he'd already passed the character test. And because of Joseph's choices, God blessed him, and he had the privilege of raising the Son of God. I got to ask you today, how do we decide? How do we handle the, the hurt and the confusion that comes into our life? Do you want to be bitter or do you want to be blessed? See, it's up to us. God gives us that choice. If you're going to have joy, just like Mary in the face of adversity, you got to choose to trust God and his plan. Just like Joseph, when you're hurt, you got to choose to show grace. And then there's one final part of the Christmas story I want us to see in light of this message today on Christmas choices. I want to talk about the wise men. And they had an enemy too. It was the third enemy of joy, confusion. Everybody say confusion. See, because when you're confused about life, it's like pulling the joy plug out of the bathtub, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now check this out. Wise men show up in Jerusalem. They ask, where's the king of the Jews? King Herod, who lives in Jerusalem, says, I'm supposed to be the king of the Jews. And now I'm hearing about some king of the Jews that's been born. What is this all about? The Bible even says that all of Jerusalem was confused about this. The city was in an uproar when they heard that the Messiah was born. See, the wise men had followed a star, but now they had to deal with what direction do we take now? 
where is this king? They had seen a star in the east. They were heading west toward Israel. Now, by the way, we don't know exactly where they came from. They may have come from Iran, which was Persia in those days. They may have come from India. They may have come from China. But they're heading in the direction of the star. They don't have any map. They don't have a schedule. They just go. And here's what they did, and here's the choice you need to make. When you're confused, you got to follow the light that you've been given. Amen. The wise men were confused. They had limited understanding, but they chose to follow God's light, the star, one step at a time. Now look at the first step that the wise men took. They were, they were seekers, right? They're seekers of God. Where is this king of the Jews? And by the way, some of you might be in that position here today. You're still seeking. You're still trying to figure this out. I know something is, is up. I've, I've followed. I, it's brought me here to this place. Where is Jesus in my life? I've followed him at this point. Maybe you haven't fully stepped across the line of faith yet. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ yet. But, and you're seeking God. That's okay. And by the way, if you're seeking the Lord and you're not sure where you stand, this church is a safe place for you. Amen? Because if you truly seek him, guess what? I believe you will eventually make the right decision. Amen? Amen. If you're genuinely seeking him, you're not going to miss finding him. And by the way, it might sound cliche, but wise men still seek Jesus. Wise women still seek Jesus too. See, what's dumb is to not seek to get to know the creator who made you and not seek to get to know your purpose, what you were created for in this life. How does it make sense to go through life alienated from the creator? If there is a God out there, I better want to know him, right? And I better want to know what his plan is for my life. And the Bible says that the wise men headed out in faith with the light that they were given. They're following the light that God is giving them, and they're doing it by faith. Folks, some of us are waiting for the grand illumination to take place before we take any steps. Amen? We, we're, but instead, you need to make the choices to take steps toward the light that you have been given. Amen. I've heard this a long time ago. I don't know who said it, but I love it. And it, I think it's such a powerful impact, a statement. It said, don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Amen. You keep walking toward the light that God has shown you. Our problem is we want to live like our map apps on our phone, right, when it gives us directions. Not only does it give us a multitude of paths, to our destination, it tells us exactly how many minutes it's going to take for us to get there, right? It allows us to choose to take highways or tolls or avoid those. It reroutes us if something is unexpected, like an accident happens, and you'll see green, yellow, red on the path. Man, what did we do back in the day? I know what we did. We had a big old fat map. Stuck in the pocket behind. You, some of y'all wonder, y'all young, you young people wonder what those big pockets were in the back. They were for maps. <laughs> I remember when Robin and I first got married, we'd pull out the big old fat book and flip through the pages 
and, and look. I mean, you'd kind of highlight routes, and you'd know which interstates, and you'd look. And sometimes, I mean, you'd get your ruler out, and you'd try to figure out, all right, which is the fastest way to go. Anybody ever been there and done that? Come on, you know it. Tell the truth. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of how old you are. Amen. And, and, and we used to pull the paper thing out, and I'll never forget. It didn't take me long to realize that my wife is a wonderful woman, but she's not a very good map navigator. Amen. And I knew it when I saw her do this to the map. You know, I was like, okay, okay, let me, let's just pull up. Let's, let's stop and get some coffee here. Let me prepare where we're. But, you know, we got these apps now, right? And you just punch it in, uh, 8378 Atlee Road. And it's like, it shows like five ways to get there. And you're like, oh, my God. All right, which way do I go? Well, what happens if, okay, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this And you know what we want? We want to have a life app that does that. <laughs> we don't want to just walk in the light we're given. I want to know how long is it going to take me to get to where I'm going. I want to know if there's any obstacles ahead. I want to know if anybody had a train wreck in front of me so I can divert around that. I want to know if I can avoid the tolls that it's going to take on my life. Just give me the highway, baby. Amen. Or I want to take all scenic routes. See, and we just want a life app that will do that. But God doesn't work life that way. you got to do like the wise man did and just follow the light that you have been given. Day by day, step by step, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. <clears throat> Sometimes all you get is a star. And you just got to venture out in faith. And God will give you enough grace for today and he'll give you enough grace for tomorrow. And then you go, well, God, what, what, what about tomorrow? He says, well, when you get there, I'm going to give you grace for tomorrow. And you got to learn to trust him. Sometimes God just says, go that direction, and he doesn't give us any details. Can you trust him with that? Come on. He gives us his word and his spirit to guide us. Look at Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I want the praise team and musicians to come. See, when you keep reading Matthew chapter 2, it says that after meeting with Herod, they continued to follow the star to Bethlehem. And the Bible actually says the star went before them. This is really cool. And stopped over the very house that Mary and Joseph now lived in. Now, by the way, I don't want to pop anybody's bubble, but as just as a side note, most nativity scenes that you see are not biblically accurate. Okay, just, I don't know if you knew that or not. The wise men were not there when Jesus was born. Jesus was actually probably two years old, maybe even three years old by the time the wise men got there. They've been following this star. Now, the Bible doesn't tell for sure, like, okay, the star appeared, you know, the day Mary conceived. The Bible doesn't really tell us, and if it does, I, somebody needs to point it out to me, that it's, it, it started the day he was born. So I really don't know. They could have been following this star for a few years. It might have just been a few months. And then what's so cool about it, and, and you don't want to miss it when you read the story, it says they followed the star and then the star stopped when they finally got to the right place. Boom. 
there it is. And to me, that just makes the story even more powerful. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got two weeks. Yeah, I'm going to take two weeks off work. I'm a wise man. I'm going to go find this king. We're going to take him some gold, some frankincense, some myrrh. We're gonna, this is going to be a nice little journey. No, 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 no. These dudes set out on a path. They didn't know how long they were going to be gone. They didn't know where they were going. They were just following a star. What if the star would have took them to the edge of the ocean? And then they had to get on a boat, and then the star took off. I mean, they didn't know. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Can you follow the star? Can you follow the light you've been given in the midst of confusion? I want to ask you today, have you lost your joy? Are you just going through the motions? Maybe the Christmas choices that I've talked about today will help you. When faith with anxiety, choose to trust the Lord. When faced with hurt and disappointment, choose to extend grace. And thirdly, when faced with confusion, do what the wise men did. Follow the light you've been given. Well, I don't know what 2022 holds. Neither do we. Neither does President Biden. Neither does the CDC. Neither does uh, Dr. Fauci. Amen. Well, I don't know what my job's going to do. That's okay. Can you see the stars? Can you see the star? Well, I don't, I, what about my health? What about, what about my marriage? What about my kids? I don't say this dismissively, but can you see the star? Just follow it. Just follow the light. Trust his plan. You may have lost your joy from anxiety. Maybe you've got too many worries, too many fears. Can I just say this in, in all love and kindness? If you have something that perpetually sabotages your joy and anxiety or fear, you need to take that to the Lord. Hear me, it is not the will of God for Christians to be overcome with, with anxiety, amen? Can I take it a step further? And you might, you might not only need to take it to the Lord, maybe you need to get some counseling, maybe you need to get some help, and that's okay too, right? Sometimes we all need a little boost to get over what we're going through. We need somebody we can talk to, amen? Sometimes you need to talk to somebody that doesn't know you. Because you don't want people that know all your business to know all your business, right? That's okay. I don't want y'all to know all my business. Amen. But don't let anxiety just perpetually destroy you as a child of God. Well, I got a relationship with Jesus. Well, I do too. Do what you need to do, amen? Some of you, you don't have joy because you're confused and you're hurt. Again, you got to extend grace. Sometimes you just need to send grace to yourself. Say, God, help me to forgive. And then some of you don't have joy because you just you're confused and you don't know the plan. That's all right. Follow the star. Follow the light. Jesus came to be your Savior. That's what Christmas is all about. Luke 2, 10 through 14, and I close. The angel said unto them, Here it is again, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, <laughs> which shall be to all people. Everybody say all. That includes me. Amen. That includes non-believers. That includes, it doesn't matter who they are. It's for everybody. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
And this shall be a sign to you. You're going to find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. This Christmas, you need to pray what David prayed after he had really messed up his life. Psalm 51 and 12, he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because guess what? That's what saviors do. Amen. Praise team's going to begin to sing. And as they do, I want to open this altar and I want to invite you to come. Some of you right now, you might be dealing with anxiety and stress like Mary was. Some of you might be dealing with hurt and disappointment like Joseph was brief. Some of you, you just don't know what's going on. You're, you're like, man, I just feel like I'm wandering around life endlessly. Guess what? It doesn't have to be that way any longer. Amen. Come on. Why don't we close the year on a high note and say, you know what, God? This is year. This next year, this is the year I'm going to follow the star. I'm going to follow your light. I'm going to follow your plan. I'm going to walk in joy. Amen. Why don't you come right now? This altar is open. Would you come? Would you come? Amen. Come on. I'm going to make the right Christmas choices this year. To come rescue me and then mercy her. Oh, yes. Amen. Amen. Lord, you found me. You healed me. You called me from the grave. You gave me a real love. Thank you, Jesus.
yes he did amen praise God why don't we lift our hands all over this room right now let's give God praise can you do that just thank him right now thank you God for your mercy thank you for your grace thank you for your love thank you God for going with me each day your grace and mercy are new every morning God you're my source and my strength in Jesus name in Jesus name amen God bless you I hope you had an amazing Christmas, and I look forward to seeing you next year at church. Amen. <laughs> I'll see you next Sunday. Have a great, great day and a happy new year. God bless. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.